Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtz cast. Cole Petum here as always. And I was hoping we'd be here on better circumstances. Hopefully everyone's hearing this on the Friday or whenever they're listening to it and enjoying a better morning, afternoon, whatever, uh, than we just endured for the last 90 minutes or so. Uh, Legia Warsaw three, Aston Villa two, not the scoreline. Probably any Villa fan thought they'd be walking away from this one in, but nonetheless, um, Life back in Europe comes back to reality. I think the Rapid Vienna days are starting to haunt um, some Villa fans of the past. But all in all, it is what it is. It's one game. Hopefully we can stop saying that very soon. And this doesn't become a pattern because we'll discuss that uh, defensively it is. But regardless of that, it's not just me. We do have Mr. Dom Phillips making his uh, third appearance overall across a few years, but his second within a matter of weeks. So Dom, how's it going for you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. I'm okay. Obviously, not in the best state of mind after that pretty pretty long evening that we've just endured. But um, yeah, I'm I'm doing well, man. How are you? I could be a little bit better, good personally. <laughs> but after that game, to be honest, it's probably put me in a little bit of a somber mood. Re- reflectiveness is probably yeah. not on the minds of many Villa fans right now. Maybe a little bit more panic and concern. So let's dive right into that. But first of all, let's get to the scoreline. And to be honest, guys... Um, I'm going to butcher a lot of these names, so do be gentle with me, of course. We'll, we'll look at the lineup here first, and we'll, we'll start there. And then, you know what, actually, yeah, we'll reverse that. We'll start with the lineup, then we'll get into the scoreline, because I think that's actually a good way to break this one down in particular, Dom. So what did you make of the starting 11 in particular? Because I, I think a lot of people were questioning maybe... Unai Emery for once about the starting lineup I mean would you have started the fully fledged strongest 11 possible or is there anything you agree with can you kind of see the mindset that uh, Unai Emery was setting up with this one um I don't think I would have started the fully fledged lineup I think there are a couple of things I might have done differently but I don't think it's a major philosophical thing of we should have started the main lineup as opposed to sort of the European team which is sort of a mix between like a B team and the Carabao and somewhere in between you know I mean we should have Premier League team and the Carabao team but, you know, the, the reality is we've got a game against Chelsea on Sunday. They're either going to fly back to overnight now or they're going to fly back on Friday and then have, either have like one morning of training on Saturday and straight into it. It's a very it's a very quick turnaround is what I'm trying to say. So you, there are sort of rests that you want to take and people will say, you know, well, it's the first game back in Europe. Let's not disrespect the opposition. It's not about that. We've got five games left in the group stage. I think this is a point that I'm going to make later in the show as well is we've still got five more games to win this group, which is the priority. So, I don't know. I, I think there are a couple of things we could have done differently with the team. Uh, particularly, I think that Bubakar Kamara has been struggling a little bit this season. I would have seen. I would have liked to see Leander Dendonka um, potentially play. I think the fact that Luka Deem kept his place implies that Alex Moreno is going to go straight into the team on Sunday. And I think 
aside from that, it was it was mostly the expected team that you would expect to see. Obviously, there are a couple of selections that didn't work out, as I'm sure we'll get into. But besides that, I think the team is pretty much what we expected, except maybe Martinez for Olsen, but who's complaining about that? So I think, you know, a lot of it is the benefit of hindsight, I'd say, Cole. I don't know if you feel differently, because I think there are a lot of people who will say, you know, in hindsight, we should have started the, the, the sort of first 11, if you want to say that. But also, I do think that that team that we started today should have won. So I don't think it's about the team selection per se, because that team, that 11 players should be good enough to beat Legio Warsaw. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get this one kind of over and done with quickly. Um, Callum Chambers, let's throw him under firstly and just kind of get it out, because I think that's going to be the biggest issue for a lot of people. I do agree with what you're saying, to be honest. I, I think this game highlights why we needed a backup right back. Um, and I guess offense to Chambers, but no offense at the same time. Um, I'm really surprised that we really would ever have seen him in a Villa lineup again. I kind of felt like maybe he would do the odd cup game domestically, but that was about it. If anything, that was probably the one thing that I disagreed with most. I, I agree with the rotation. It had to happen. I mean, you look at, uh, Clement Longley coming in, that would have been, of course, um, not him originally, you probably would have expected Mings, of course, probably to start there originally. Um, it is what it is. I think we're the circumstance of just players being injured, players coming back. I do agree with Kamara as well. I would have liked to see Dundonker there as well. I feel like if you're playing Tillemans, who's going to want a lot of the ball anyways, who, to be honest, didn't really have a good game moving the ball around, I thought at least, Dundonker would have been nice to just kind of sit there I think defensively he would have made up for a little bit more of that. Um, the lack of defensive acumen, I guess you could say Villa had today. Um, and I know people kind of harp on Bailey, but at some point he does have to start. And I thought he actually had an all right game at times. Of course, I think we all prefer him off the bench. It seems like that benefits him the most, but again, he's going to want to start at times and that's expected too. I uh, didn't disagree with Duran. It was nice to see him score as well. Zaniola looks purposeful as ever. I think there's a bright um, spot in there. But the one thing I did want to get um, your thoughts on Dom, I mean, Luca Dean, he is the, um, hmm. has to be one of the talking points of this season because let's be honest, yeah. the man can't defend. Um, he has the defensive whereabouts of uh, a three-year-old that feels like at this point in time, but then he comes up and produces the goods. So what did you make of his performance in particular? I mean, when Luca Dean played his best football at Everton, um, I might be wrong here, Everton, any Everton fans who might be listening to this show for one reason or another, I felt like he was playing as a wing back um, in a five and his defensive role was quite limited. Um, I also thought that when we signed him, one of the problems that we had with Matt Target was his uh, defensive awareness at the back post um, and defending down his side. Well, just Matt Target in general. And you know, no disrespect to him, I, I just think Joe wanted a different player there with Dean and we went and got him and Ever since Luca Dean arrived, he's I don't think he's ever consistently defended well. He's had runs where he's attacked particularly well, but I don't think he looks comfortable defending his back post. He lets runners get behind him. He also lets runners get behind the centre half in front of him. I think it's the first either the first or the second goal. They're both the same goal in my mind. Where they just the the player gets between Dean and Langley. It looks like there's no communication there. And that's a consistent feature whenever Dini player, so I just don't think he's the most aware and smart defender. And you know, we, you know, talking, touching on the goals for a second, the first two in particular, 
I've, I can't remember who it was on the video on, on on a video that I watched once. I think it was Rio Ferdinand or Gary Neville. It was someone like that, but I think it was Gary Neville. And one thing that they used to do at Man United, or like this is a common thing that footballers might talk about in general, is like the right back and the right centre back, or the left back and the left centre back, might say to each other before the game, "Right, nothing down our side today. Nothing gets past us." But I just feel like every time Luca Dean. And our left side in general is put under pressure by runs in behind, by physicality, um, by any kind of threatening attack, frankly. I feel like we look really leaky. I feel like we look really easy to get behind, really easy to create chances against. Um, We can see see it a lot down that left-hand side. And that's frankly really concerning. We've got obviously got Alex Moreno coming in, who has five extra yards of recovery pace and is in general a better defender. Um, and a better attacker than Luca Dean for me, um, but I still I still think if we're talking about the left side of our defence as well, I don't want to sort of keep going here as well. Um, is the fact that we miss Tyrone Mings or at least the defender of that ilk so much, so 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 much? And when we when when that injury happened, it was just like we knew after the Newcastle game. I think most Villa fans would have said that the worry wasn't the results, even the performance to an extent to an extent. The worry was Mings' injury because of just how how much he's the organiser of that back line. He's just a physical box defender. He's a leader. He is good with the ball. He wins the set piece first contacts. Brilliant in the air in general. Gets in the head of um, opposition centre forwards. And we just miss that kind of player at the back. Um, we miss that kind of, if something does go wrong down the left now, I don't trust the middle of the defence to sweep it up consistently. Um so that's even more concerning is if you are going to get down the left-hand side, if that's going to be the weakness, because every team has their weaknesses, if that's going to be the team's weakness, then what's going to be there to sweep it up? I'm not sure. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get what you're saying. I think, like I said before, I feel like this lineup was down to circumstance in some areas. I yeah. mean, again, I, I feel like, of course... Without Mings, then it would fall down to Diego Carlos. Without Diego Carlos, it comes to Clement Longley, who, I mean, to be fair, it's a lot to throw a center back that hasn't even played a minute for Villa into their first European game in 13-odd years. Um, It is a lot. Same thing, like I said, with Callum Chambers as well. And I, I think, I mean, defensively, it's one thing. And we can all look at the back four and say... Well, we, we can blame them and just kind of pinpoint it there. But, I mean, it really does start from kind of the forward line to the back. I didn't really feel like we pressed at times like we should have. I, I think the atmosphere seemed like it got some of the players a little bit more, which I guess is expected in some circumstances. But yeah. at what point does that wear off a little bit? I thought there was just, I mean, you you could see Unai Emery on the camera numerous times. There's videos of him on Twitter. He's losing his mind. He knows uh-huh. this exact, it, it just kind of felt like for minute one that, the game plan that he set up was never really abided by or kind of constructed to like even really the goals today from Bill's perspective. I mean, like I said, Luca Deans is a, a nice half volley. It's a deflection initially. Duran I means Zanolio literally could have broke the crossbar to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, even, as well. I mean, fantastic save that comes off a rebound for Duran to head it in. I mean, there wasn't really like a clear cut goal from Villa where, I mean, Christ, Warsaw opened us up three times and it was easily avoidable. I mean, yeah. when you look at all of those three goals, Dom, is there one in particular that you think is the most concerning in terms of how Villa played today? 
I, I, I think it's the first one. I mean, it, maybe it's the second one, I guess, because like the first one is three minutes in. The, I mean, you know, you mentioned the atmosphere. I want to say now that is the most unbelievable atmosphere I've ever heard at a football game. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And Leggy deserve a lot of credit. The Tifo, Welcome to the Jungle was amazing. They were roaring and singing and drumming and, and whistling at Villa. Consistently, they, they didn't even need to stop to breathe. It was like an Olympic swimmer, but in, in vocal form, it was unbelievable. So, I mean, it's a devastatingly intimidating atmosphere to play in. But as you say, it wears off. You're a professional footballer. You have to, you have to play, you're, you, you, it's your job, you know, you have to play your football. So, yeah, I think the reason why I choose the second goal maybe as the most concerning I mean the third one obviously Conce <laughs> yeah. is trying to yeah Conce is trying to delay and then goes across and it's just too easy with him and Chambers there even though it's a good finish with the legs it's just can't be getting through but I th- again I choose the second one because it's the defending down the left it's it's Lengley and Dina and I don't know I I, I worry I, I just have I just have concerns with the defence I really do that um we're were too easy to score against. I feel like any team could score against us. I feel like even even in the Everton game, Dan Juma could have scored, you know, um, once, maybe twice. And we're conceding too many chances, um, which is a concern that other teams have as well, like Brighton, like Tottenham, um, or at least Andrew Postecoglou's had in the past. So it's not, it's not the worst concern to have in the world, but I don't know. It's, it's worrying because top teams, if you give them a sniff, will will capitalise. And if you start a game 2-0 down against a top team, you're not going to win. So we're just shooting ourselves in the foot in that respect, I think. Well, if there's any one consolation, Dom, I think we're in the most mental group of the Europa Conference League. Um, last looking at oh, it, of unbelievable. course... Oh, ridiculous, of course. Uh, AZ Alkmaar was up 3-0 at halftime and lost 4-3 by the end of it. So there's a total of 12 goals between two games within this group yeah. for match day one. I mean, it's absolutely insanity. That doesn't really bode well. Hopefully that's just a blip. And I mean, maybe yeah. Villa have the, the four goals and maybe lesser conceded, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. But to turn it more so back to the game, I mean... yeah. When you look at it as a whole, I mean, there has to be a few positives, of course. We mm-hmm. came back from behind twice defensively, of course. That's a, that's another talking point that we've kind of went over a few times. I think it's glaringly obvious the issue, so I don't think we need to address that to death, at least this time, maybe if it becomes more of a theme. But, I mean, that's a good thing. It's good to see that Jacob Ramsey got some minutes as well. Some other players came on and we looked much more dangerous. We controlled tempo and, of course, the flow of it, which is expected when you have basically almost your fully starting 11, of course. But, I mean, let's touch on Jacob Ramsey for just a moment. I mean, he had that miss. It definitely showed that he hasn't played in ages, really. I mean, it's only been a few months, but still a significant injury all in all. But what did you make of his brief cameo? Because I think that's an important talking point, because when you look at probably the match day two starting lineup, I would honestly expect for him to be in it. But what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to comment too much on Ramsey, to be honest, because he's only he's only trained for a few days. I don't think the plan would have been to throw him on today. I think the only reason Unai put him on um, was out of desperation. As you say, on the, on the bench, he looked really, really upset. The most upset I've seen him at Villa, to be honest. Um, so, I, yeah, again, he, he, he has to get that shot on target, but he's only trained for a couple of days. I'm not really going to put much on him. In terms of, you know, I've him coming back into the team it's a massive positive because of 
you know, he, even when he came on, he had his moments of just turning with the ball, driving at people, bringing other people into play. You know how good a player he is. In terms of general positives, I think mainly the first half because the second half ball was not impressed by at all. Um, I'd say John McGinn. Um, I think sometimes people are too quick to say, oh, John McGinn was our best player and ever been a player, okay. But he, I think he probably was. I think he dragged the team along at times, took responsibilities, drew a number of fouls, played the ball forwards, carried the ball well. Um, Nicolo Zaniolo as well looks dangerous. Um, I think he might, I, I wonder if he's going to be moved more to the right in future and cutting inside to get the best of his, get better shooting, shooting angles for him. But again, he looks really bright. He's really, really physically strong. And I think especially in those big games where we're against big big teams that are going to be where we're going to be trying to play in transition more, having that kind of outlet, who still has brilliant running power as well, is a really good option. And then I, I obviously want to shout out John Duran as well because he, he has some kind of, I don't know how to describe it, like some kind of sort of like magic about him, I think. I know it's a crazy thing to say after we lose three seasons to Legia, but whatever, why not? He... He just always seems to get on the ball and make things happen or always seems to have a centre-half angry, always seems to be drawing a foul or always making a run in behind or always has the knack of scoring a goal as well. Let's be honest, it's a really impressive leap, I have to say, for that ball. I know it's just he's plucked it out of the air, but it's a, it's a big leap and he's in the right place at the right time. He's reacted quicker than the defenders and I think he was obviously very upset. There was footage of him when he'd come off and he looked really upset, but how many times have we seen Emi Buendia do the same thing for us? It's not really a point of criticism. It's a point of, well, it's a point of South American football culture as well and how emotional um, a game it can be down there. But also uh, the emotion of 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 the of being taken off after 60 minutes when you're playing well. And, and in terms of our attack, Bar Bailey, who I thought, as you say, was actually all right, was the one of our attackers who looked like he was going to get things going. So... I think he'll be upset to have been taken off. And I think hmm, I think there have been implications before. Again, I'm just keep talking here. So I think there have been implications before with people in uh, in uh, Villa, in the Villa circles, that the amount of minutes he gets isn't really respective of results and performances, but more just about a broader general plan for his development and his integration. But I do question at what at what point do Villa go? We need a win, we need a we need points, and we've got a striker here, a forward here who's scoring goals. And we've got other forwards who are getting more minutes who aren't scoring goals. And I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the Duran situation evolves, whether whether this is just a bit of a, a good start to the season and then he tails off again, or whether this is the start of a new form of John Duran. I don't know. It, it, it remains to be seen, but he looks supremely talented. And again, I still think there are a number of positives to take. Just... And just that there, there are lessons which are that we're leaky, we're leaking at the back, um, particularly down the left hand side. And Cole, I think you said it earlier. I would say that that's n- nothing new. It's not a new lesson. We knew that any, we knew that anyway. <laughs> I think we knew that we can see too many goals, particularly down the left hand side with the likes of Luca Dean's defending. So I don't think it's a massive panic to go, oh my god, we discovered a load of new things about this team that we didn't know before, and everything's going wrong. It's like these are existing weaknesses that have just been well exploited by a well-coached good team with a really intimidating atmosphere. And it's panned out in a way where the team and the manager have to take responsibility to make sure it doesn't happen again. But we've still got five group games to go. So it's a it's a really, really difficult one to take. But also, I would probably rather this happen now than one of the clutch games at the group stage at, at the latter end. So, you know, the earlier we get this stuff out of our system, the better, I think. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It is one game. There's five left. And I think Unai Emery even had a uh, a quote here. Um, where was it? You're just going to have to scroll down and actually find it. Um, let's see here. I just said today, everything which happened in the match, um, I have lived before. We have the possibility to react again as we have, as we play another five matches. It's not a good result, but we still got five matches. He also gave a brief update on Diego Carlos and his status, just saying we were thinking that in the, within the next week, he could be ready to start training, which I think that's a massive boost mm-hmm. because let's be honest, defensively, uh, a lot of things are suspect at the moment. Um, you'd imagine, of course, Pau Torres comes back in for the Chelsea game at this point as well. Uh, there was another kind of interesting point of view that he brought up as well. And I, I think it's important, too, because, I mean, like we said, we don't want to be too down. It, it's a frustrating loss. I think there's a lot of expectation. But all in all, who's going to care if, for example, and I'm not going to say this is going to happen, but if we've lost this game, if we win the next five or still finish top of the group, who really cares at the end of the day, it's going to be how we actually finish. And I think that's been Villa's probably biggest issue for as long as I can remember is finishing strongly. So whether it's starting strongly or finishing strongly, I don't care as long as it results in a positive outcome at the very least. Um, But Emery just said, we have to build again on our squad depth with the players trying to play a lot of matches. We'll need players in the squad trying to give opportunities to play and use their qualities he believes in the squad and in the players. I, I kind of find that a little bit interesting because I feel like, and we've seen this since Unai Emery has come in, Dom, where Villa aren't going to make a certain player purchase unless it's right for the squad. It's not going to be done for the sake of it. Of course, we saw that yeah. last January where Moreno came in and other players like Guendouzi were linked, but it never happened because it wasn't the right timing, price, whatever. Do you feel like when he's saying like that, I, I feel like personally he believes in the squad, but you think he's fully happy with it because I still feel like we're again, maybe a few players short of where he ideally wants to be, but let me know your thoughts. I mean, I don't think any football manager in the world who's in a job would say I'm fully happy with the squad because then the owner would go great. I'm not going to spend any money then. I mean, there's, there's no one who does that. Um, managers always look for a chance to push the squad. It's competition. You have to be sharp. You have to be trying to not catch up necessarily, but you have to you have to try and overtake because that's the best way to catch up. And there are there are holes in the squad. You mentioned the fact that we only have one senior right back. We have two senior left backs. I know that Ezri, well, I know that Callum Chambers can play there, but there are questions about how quick and he can be and how consistent he can be with his defending. Um Obviously, Ezri Conter can play there, but then you're losing a real part of our back line with Diego Carlos injured. Obviously, him coming back next week, brilliant. Tyra Ming's injured for a, uh, in a long-term place. But yeah, I've, I think there were, you know, there are holes that Unai Emery might want to fill in. There are there are players, you know, you look, I don't know what's happened to him, but Bertrand Traore, I don't think, for example, is someone that might stay around long-term, especially now that we've got Leon Bailey, Musa Diaby, Nicolo Zaniola, who are all left-footed players predominantly playing in an attacking wide right position. And then you might look at someone on the other side. So you don't you don't know what's going to happen. Um, there have also been rumours about Emery wanting an experience number nine ever since he came into the club. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they look to the striking department. Is that, some, is that something that you consider if you were the manager? Because obviously, Ollie Watkins is having a difficult run. Do you, do you back him every week or do you just... Wrote, wrote, I, I, it would feel a little bit rash to roll the dice and just throw Duran in every week, wouldn't it? But how, how would you play? 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To be honest, I don't think he played any differently. I, I think Duran's probably a very nice surprise at this point in his development. To be honest, I felt like he was the one that was going to go out on loan. The fact that he's already producing this quickly and showing evidence that he can carry the load at least mm-hmm. domestically and through, I guess, I guess you'd have to say all competitions at this point. It's early stages, but he scored in both. I, I think it's too much to put it all on him, but I mean, how long, Dom, have we wished for a secondary striker that can actually provide the goals at Villa? It's been a, a very, very long time. I can't even think of yeah. one that's been that consistent. So, I mean, I can see the need for it. I can see the cause con- concern. But again, when Ollie Watkins scores a brace probably within the next few weeks, I just feel like it's coming at some point because it always does. Yeah. Then we're all sitting here going, oh, he's brilliant. He's meant we don't need anybody else. So I, I think it's one of those just circumstances of a slow sluggish start i mean when you sit back and look at it i mean the start of the season hasn't been very i guess um enjoyable in some circumstances i think the defensive thing is the most glaring thing considering how tight we were last season to how we're more playing emery ball this season or the actual version that we eventually visualized us playing but i mean when you sit back and you look at the squad dom and you look at how we're playing out from the back do you ever kind of feel like maybe there's times where Emery is essentially maybe misreading the game? Maybe we have to play like we did last season in certain circumstances versus how we're playing in basically every certain or every game this season, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. I think this is a really interesting wider debate in football, to be honest. Um, I think that a lot of managers have very strong principles and philosophies that they have to stick to and they're in the jobs that they are and they've had the successes that they've had and the Europa League that they've won in Emery's case because of the way that they've tried to play football um, in a lot of ways, emulating the way that the top clubs like Manchester City play as well. Um, obviously, Brighton with Deserby have changed it a little bit, but again, he's someone who's very set in his principles and his ideas. I do think there are moments where, obviously, as a fan, you go, just get rid of it. It's the most instinctive thing to say. But... As a general philosophy, no, I don't, because I think ever since we've started playing out from the back, we've kept the ball a lot better. We've created more chances from deep. The players look a lot more comfortable and confident playing with each other. And it is more enjoyable to watch. There are moments where I wish we would play a bit more direct, but also we can be quite a direct team as well. So I don't know. I think there are definitely questions to be had over, over Unai Emery, who... He's a fantastic manager, but isn't perfect. No manager is. And there are things that they get wrong. And I think he'd be the first to admit that there are a couple of things that, in hindsight, probably would have done differently. But 
in the end, we're talking about a brilliant manager who knows how to win trophies. And there are bumps in the road on every good team's course. So obviously, while it's not been an amazing start of the season in some respects, the fact that our defence is the biggest concern is isn't a, isn't a, isn't a surprise to me, and it isn't that alarming. Like you look at the you look at the defence that played today, and how badly they defended. Obviously, the obviously I don't think the organisation was amazing, but you're looking at Callum Chambers, Ezri Konza, Clement Longley, and Luca Dean, and you're thinking, I mean, come on, like compared to a, a first choice back four, which for me, if if everyone was still fit, I think our first choice back four probably would have been Ezri Konza, Tyrone Mings, Pau Torres, and Alex Moreno, which is a whole different defence, effectively. So. There's, there's differences and difficulty to have in terms of Emery's organisation, but there are also personnel issues. There's an extent to which you can criticise squad um, squad depth, like as you say, having the perfect second strike is something we've struggled with, but top players don't sign to sit on the bench unless they go to somewhere like Manchester City. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, who, who Villa fans think we're going to sign and just stockpile players in the background and they're not going to play every week. Yeah, it's, it's not really FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it's not FIFA. And also, it's the same fans who say these things or think these things that will then go, oh, well, why isn't Yuri Tielemans playing? And it's like, well, hang on. So when we do have an abundance of players in one position, then it's Unai Emery's fault. But we should have loads of better defenders as well. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. Some people just want to criticise for the sake of criticising, man. And I'm not here for it. I'm not here, I'm not here to, I'm not here for meltdowns. Like... The lessons that we've learned today are harsh to take and it's manifested in a really not enjoyable evening for all Villa fans. But if anyone thought after the new, well, especially after the Newcastle game, in regards to Toro Mings' injury as well as a result, if anyone thought anything except Villa's biggest problem this season is going to be um, defending, I don't know what to tell you because that's where our personnel issues are. That's where historically Unai Emery has had teams that have been a little bit leaky it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. So it's not it's not it's not a massive problem. It's just something that when we get the selection right and something we've got to improve, it's that's down to the manager. And at the end of the day, we'd all agree we've got a fantastic manager. So there's no no reason to have a meltdown, man. Just just chill out. Just put your feet up and have, have some water or something. Just chill out. Have a cup of tea. <laughs> well, all I can say is hopefully we def- we figure out some of these uh, defensive yeah, issues yeah, by the it, time we play Man City on December fifth. That's all I can say. Because <laughs> yeah. that won't be pretty. <laughs> It would not be pretty whatsoever. But, I mean, Dom, here's an interesting way, and then we'll kind of uh, get on to something I put out on Twitter. I want to get your thought on it as well, but we'll read some of those out here shortly. I mean, of course, we got Chelsea on Sunday, Everton next Wednesday, Brighton the following Saturday, and then, of course, what, five days later or so, um, uh, it's what, Zrinski? (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these names. This should be brilliant for my vocabulary. But, I mean... That's of course match day two in the conference league. How are how do you think Villa are going to approach these next four or five games? Because literally, it's like within three four days of each other. Five, if you're lucky, of course, between Brighton and Zerinsky. But I mean, all in all, at some point we have to expect some of these players that we've really harped on today as Villa fans on social media with friends. Of course, even talking a little bit on this podcast as well. We ha- they're going to have to play. It just it's the reality of it all, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a number of the pl- most of the players that played today will start that game, and that's not a problem. And most of the other games, because if football was decided by one game, then what's the point? It doesn't make any sense. That's like 
judging Villa's entire season on the 4-2 home loss to Leicester. What's that all about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, we, we're going to have bad games, especially players that aren't our best players are going to have more bad games than, the ba- than our best players. And that's just part of football. It's not, that's fine. We have to manage minutes, especially considering we've already had injuries. Um, and there's still a lot of games left to go in this group. Zrinski, after an unbelievable second half fight back, as we referenced earlier on the show, are going to be up for it. But I also think Villa Park is a whole different place to play in compared to the stadium we played into there. And there are obviously questions to be asked and I think changes will be made. And part of me wonders if Unai is just going to say, look, that's it. You know, you second second choice players to an extent, those who haven't had as many minutes in the Premier League, you wanted your chance in the Conference League and you didn't take it. He might be a little bit murderous with his team selection in some ways. But also, in many ways, I'd rather that we thought about the league as well because the league is very important. So, I don't think I don't think that this I think we're going to learn lessons from this game, but you know, the idea of having a melt there and then ripping up and changing all of the plans that are ahead because of one game and one three two defeat, I don't I don't I don't buy into that philosophy at all, to be honest. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, personally, it I think it's a little bit unlucky because I feel like if we weren't playing a club like I know I know as much as Chelsea are a joke right now in terms of memes and just it, it's funny to see. I feel like if we weren't playing Chelsea and we we're playing someone further down the table, I feel like we would see a slightly stronger lineup. At some point, we had to find out what the balance would be. This was going to be inevitable eventually. Do I agree that against Warsaw, first game back in years in, in Europe and all that kind of stuff to play this lineup? Probably not. Would I have expected match day two against, I don't want to say Zerinsky is a good opponent because who knows, we could lose that one too. <laughs> at this rate who knows don't say um, that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I, I don't believe oh, it but God. just as an example yeah it's true it's true it's true but when you sit back and look at it I, I think it's it's inevitable to happen but all in all let's get over to the um twitter i, I don't want to call them questions i kind of put them more as a um a, one key takeaway basically uh, that everyone tweeted in from this loss. And then there's some very interesting ones. So I don't know if we'll make this a continual thing or it'll pl- replace three-word reviews, or maybe we'll just do this mm-hmm. for European competitions or whatever. We'll have to wait and see. So thank you to the 42 or odd, um, how many that have um, got in touch since literally the final whistle. It's great to see that quick support. Uh, we'll read out a few. Of course, you can tweet us at 7500 hole And Dom, just to let you know, I want your one key takeaway once I'm done reading these. So I'm giving you a bit okay. of time to think of that one. <laughs> but all in all, let's start with uh, Daniel Betridge saying, Calum Chambers could be outpaced by the shifting of tectonic plates. Um, let's go to our very own Tom Nightingale. Tough slog ahead. That's a good three-word review for a one key takeaway. Um, Simon H, start your strongest side, score a few, and only take um, only then, sorry, make um, those substitutions. Um, these are young fit. Oh, can I come in players. quickly? They should be capable of playing several games a week. Yes, sorry. That's okay. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. It's just that there was a really good quote by Emery that I was about to read out, and it lines in really well with that comment. Yeah. Emery said, tonight tonight we could have lost with the starting players who will play against Chelsea. Bang on. It's not, yeah. about, it's not about the selection, is it? Like To some extent, at least. And I think he's right. So, yeah. No, 100%. Is, I do agree. Yeah, it, it, it's tricky because, like I said before, like if we would play this lineup against Chelsea and lost 3-2, we would probably... I don't know if we'd be just as annoyed. I think some people would be, regardless. Yeah, Villa yeah, lose 
yeah, if Villa lose any game, some people think it's the end of the world anyway. So, I mean, yeah. what's the difference? But again, it, it, it's it's about game management. We can't have the same squad play every single game. I mean, look at West Ham last season. I, I know they won something, but I mean, there was times that people are wondering if they're even going to stay in the league at, at some points with very, very poor runs of form and all the things going on with David Moyes and potentially being yeah. stacked. And of course it's worked out in the long run, but I mean, it's a very risky game to play. And I think it's a lesson worth learning at least. So let's read out, we'll read out, I don't know, three or four or five more of these ones. Uh, let's scroll down to here. Uh, JFT Villa saying cheap beer and a good laugh. Um, I'm assuming he's in Poland or if he's at home doing that, fair that's enough. Right, yeah. good, I wouldn't have blamed him. Um, Matthew Watkins saying, I thought Jared was sacked last season. Um, a little harsh, but I guess a little. Some people, man, that's, that's a mental thing to say. <laughs> um, Jay Campbell, Chambers should stay on the bench. Uh, Adam says, play your best team in these competitions. A lot of people saying that. Um, Martin Perry just says, learn. <laughs> fair enough for that. Um, Anthony. McGuffey saying local team selection cost us. Um, there's actually a really good point here somewhere, and I'll have to find it. Uh, Simon Palmer, flashbacks to the Martin O'Neill weekend UEFA Cup teams. Um, Mackenzie Young also saying you, you Unai did a Martin O'Neill. Um, Kamara Season says he's having Chinese. Fair enough to him tonight. Um, <laughs> Anthony Mahone, missing Mings, and... Um, Let's see here. Where was it? I can't find it. I'll have to give it a special shout out on Twitter. Um, Johnny having a little bit of a, a event session, but I think it's good to get these things out. Um, he says, why go all season trying to qualify for a competition and then change the team so much that the defense and midfield play like strangers? Add to that the walking pace and lack of effort all over the pitch makes it look like this competition is an inconvenience. I, I can see where he's coming from, from that mindset. But again, some of these players have never played Unai Emery ball. You look at Longley, who this is his first game. Chambers hasn't played in eons. I mean, as much as I don't want to make excuses for certain players for poor performances, um, these are still early days for a lot of these players. And to throw them all in a team and expect perfection instantly for what is arguably probably for most of these players, um, to a certain extent, our B team. I mean, unless you're Man City, like you've said before, Dom, we're not going to have a, a perfect B team. I don't think any other side along um, aside from Man City is really going to have that. And we are not at that level. Uh, will we ever get to that level? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we might yeah. need more owners for that, but uh, all in all, what was your one key takeaway from this one? My one key takeaway, it's going to sound really depressing and really negative. I don't mean it in that way. I mean it in a way of trying to be honest and realistic based on some things I've said earlier on the show, right? This will happen again this season oh yeah we have defensive frailties teams will pick us apart and we will have a few soft defeats we'll have some brilliant wins where we batter teams and it's going to be brilliant but one of the reasons why those people not to have a meltdown is this is one of the weaknesses of our team and this is one of the reasons we're not in the top four right and is that we have these defensive frailties we can we leak we're leaky we concede too many chances and we're going to concede too many goals over the course of the season that's through personnel being missing, a couple of structural questions, a couple of uh, maybe maybe questions the right way, maybe sacrifices. Because you try to be an attacking team, you concede more goals. That's not a controversial thing. So it's going to happen again, um, and I think people need to accept that. That's not a bad thing because every team has its weaknesses. As I said, Brighton are a leaky team. Brighton leak goals. <laughs> we beat Brighton a number of times. 
look at the way we three 0 Newcastle. Like teams leak, good teams leak goals. It happens, and that's not that doesn't have to be a thing. And again, there are going to be nights where we're not able, we leak more goals than we're able to score, and we have disappointing defeats. The manager will come into question. People have the meltdowns, but I'd say don't get a pint and have a Chinese. That's all. That's what I say. That that guy in the comments knows what he's doing. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a good way to put it. I mean, even I mean, Brighton could still turn this around. They're losing to AEK Athens two one right now in the I think it's the forty ninth minute. Um, mm-hmm. They might go on to win. This is just that time of recording, but they lose that. I mean, some of their fans might be in the same kind of mood that we're in. Of course, they're higher up the table in the Premier League, so maybe there's a bit yeah. of circumstance, but. I think it's showing if you look at some of the teams in these competitions that haven't been in it ever or for eons, like Villa, like a Brighton, et cetera, et cetera, it is showing in match day one. There's a few other ones I even noticed in the Champions League as well. So all in all, it is what it is. It's not the end of the day. I do feel better now that we've went through this vent session, but this is what this podcast is probably for more therapeutic for us than some of the listeners. But I mean... It is what it is. I'll say with the one key takeaway, I think it probably gives Una Emery a better picture of what he can expect from certain players. Again, I don't want to harp too much on Callum Chambers, but it might show that in January, we probably have to address the right back spot in depth. Whether that opportunity comes or not, wait to be seen. Maybe he redeems himself in another performance. I don't know. I just think there's a certain areas today where he might think, you know what, against Zelensky, even against Chelsea, we need to approach this differently. We need to, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, provide more cover to defender A than maybe defender B needs on the left flank versus the right flank. For example, I think there, I mean, we all know Unai Emery, what he's going to do. He's going to watch this back 60 times, probably not sleep till Sunday when we beat Chelsea 3-0 then he'll be happy. And then we're onwards and upwards from there. I probably shouldn't have said that because I probably jinxed us from that result, but all in all, it is what it is. We'll move on. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dom, Chelsea next Sunday. How are you feeling about that one? I'm unsure how to feel, to be honest. Chelsea look vulnerable, but also I'm not, I, I, was, mean, I was meaning to before we recorded the show, but I forgot to sort of the, the analogy this is, but it's, it's, it's like someone in the comments on that. It's like a wounded lion or something. You know, like, when like an animal's injured, it's actually more dangerous, if that makes sense. Like it's either a lion or a tiger, it's something like that. I promise I'm not making it up. Um <laughs> where like Chelsea are very vulnerable, but it's just a matter of time before they get a couple of goals out. Do you know what I mean? I think I know they haven't gotten Kunku back, but I don't think Pochettino will have a team playing that poorly consistently for that long. So I think it's one of those things where the frustration will boil over and it will boil over into them doing someone for now and I hope very much that's not us and I don't think that will be us but I, again it could be one of those where Chelsea as you said as I say are really vulnerable at the moment have a good opportunity the best time to go to Stamford Bridge is about now really but equally, yeah you never know what wounded animal aren't they you never know you never know what's going to come out of them yeah I think it's one of those things too I mean long has it been for my time of being a Villa fan where we'll play teams into form I mean Unai Emery has destroyed so many hoodoos last season let's hope the one where we play teams into form is one thing i mean of course keep in mind uh there's only been um a couple well actually what two game weeks really match weeks um since chelsea's last win so of course they they beat uh luton on august 25th 3-0 so some people say well they haven't won or scored even in the league since august 25th there's been an international break there was an efl cup round right after that five days later so 
of course. You have to take that with a bit of context. They've lost, of course, most recently to Forest 1-0, and of course that uh, last weekend draw against Bournemouth and 0 Niller, where both teams, to be honest, um, if you watch the highlights, they weren't good highlights to watch, and really neither team um, showed up for much of that one. But again, you look at that, and some people think, okay, it's Chelsea, who knows what happens. Then you go move on to Everton only a few days later. They have Brighton three days later as well, so there's going to be some probably chopping and changing for them too even without European competition for Chelsea, I mean, you have to sit back and look at that and think they're going to have to plan ahead. I know they've signed a million players over the last few windows, but there's going to be rotation, whether that comes against us, whether that comes against Brighton, you're going to probably see a little bit more of that. And I mean, whether Una Emery starts a fully strengthened Villa side against Chelsea, we'll still have to wait to see on that one as well, because like I said, there's Everton, uh, midweek next week too so I mean this season is gonna it's gonna be a wild one I think for many of us to really um, put up with Villa every three or four days it's starting to feel like the um, the uh, project restart days where there is games every other minute it felt like but we'll have to wait and see what happens it is what it is and uh, we'll just have to hope for more three points more victories and uh, less negativity but uh, I think that's a good place to leave this one up uh, Dom, I, I know I said I wanted to make this like 20 or 30 minutes. I think we're slightly over that. So we'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much for joining us. And if you want to give everyone um, your information, where they can find you, what you're doing, uh, go ahead now. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Cole. Uh, always a pleasure. So people thought that some of the things I said today were quite interesting. Then you can find many more of the things I say, uh, mainly on my Twitter, which is at DomPhillips02. Um, I also have a Substack, which is in the, attached in the bio, where I do some writing. Recently, just for this Ledger Warsaw game, I had a piece published in the Birmingham Mail as well for the first time, which was a really cool feeling, obviously. So, um, yeah, you can check me out there. I've got I've, I, I tweet some stuff sometimes, so that's where you can keep in touch with me. And you know, hopefully next time you'll be able to see me on here sometime as well. So, love to come back on again. Brilliant. Well, it's appreciated. Uh, with Simon in Poland, hopefully uh, drinking his sores away, some, Seb somewhere starting his university life, um, hopefully sober at this point. Um, still haven't heard from him in a few days, so getting a little concerned. Um, Danny doing Danny things and Tom doing Tom things. It's very much appreciated for you to step in. Of course, if you want to find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, it's at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to hold to email the podcast holtcast at gmail.com and of course check out the website www.7500holt.espionation.com and if there's anything you want to write if you have anything post uh, Warsaw heading into Chelsea whatever anything Villa related that you want um, to write up and send in to be put on the website of course you can email us 7500holtmain at gmail.com I'll stop there with all the plugins of course Leave a positive review, all that good stuff wherever you listen to this. Subscribe as well. We should be back post-Chelsea. Hopefully another win. And don't forget, up the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.